1: Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Hope everybody's doing well this morning on this beautiful Friday the 13th. Yes, it is, folks. It is Friday the 13th. So for all you people out there that get really freaked out about stuff like that, don't you worry. It's going to be all right. It is Friday the 13th, the day that some people treat as Strange weird confusing but for me I love Friday the 13th because for me it's it's fun it's my grandfather's day and it's funny my grandfather my grandpa Cavino he always turned things into positives turn negatives into positives and Friday the 13th the number 13 all the things that were supposed to be unlucky he loved. And so you know, Freaky Friday the 13th. Yes, it is Freaky Friday the 13th. So you know, there's a song that's out there right now, and it's by Lil Dicky and Chris Brown. I don't know why I like it, but I like it a lot. So, <laughs> so you guys should go listen to it. And it's it's a very it's a very interesting song. Uh, not a family song. I, I would say it's probably not. Not for the family show here today, but for for some odd reason, I like it. It's a good song, and it's good stuff. So, maybe I should tell you my top songs. should do that. Be like, hey, this is a top song of mine. This one's a top song of mine, too. So, there's some, there's some good songs that are out there. Uh, another one is by Drake that just came out. There's a good one out there by Drake. If you're looking for something to get you through the workday, it's called Nice For What by Drake. That's a good one, too. There's some good songs out there, so hopefully you're having a, a good time. Allegedly, I have a uh, friend on Facebook, and it's not with Mark Zuckerberg, so I guess that's good. I don't know if I'm... You can't be... Are you friends with Mark Zuckerberg? I don't even know how that works. But some facebook love this morning make sure that we get that out there but i hope you're doing well hope you're having a great day hope things went well for you this week and that this weekend will be fun i read a quote to uh, this i actually read a quote a couple days ago that said you know there's all those people that spend the entire week waiting for the weekend and he said you know it must be must be awful to live that life you know to live a life where you you waste five days waiting for two, and you can't get those days back. So for everybody that loves the weekend, I hear you. I feel you. Make sure that you enjoy the rest of the week, though, and make the most of what you got and have some fun. So on today's broadcast, we got to get into what's going on in the morning menu. Let's jump into that right now.
0: Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is. Live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora.
1: Right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora with that morning menu. Today's morning menu, we're going to do it how we always do it on a Friday, And that is start off the show with the annoying moment of the week. Proudly brought to you by Carvel DeWitt, 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York. It is what Happy tastes like, and it is the exclusive home of the Wake Up Call Sunday. So make sure you go out and get it chocolate or vanilla soft serve, or a twist. So chocolate, vanilla, or a twist soft serve topped off with cookie dough pieces and caramel swirl exclusively at Carvel DeWitt. So go get yourself the wake-up call Sunday special at Carvel DeWitt. And all your favorites over at Carvel right now, go and show them some love. They are the longest-standing Carvel franchise in the entire nation in the continental United States, and they love serving you and being here in the community. So be good to them. And I want to thank everybody that's been out there and the messages that we get when people hop out there. So much appreciation for you going there right now, And, and I thank you for that. So... Carvel DeWitt, don't let the cold weather fool you. Whatever the weather may be outside, the flavor inside always stays the same. And that is great, amazing, and bringing you back to your childhood. So for those of you that have been going to Carvel for a very long time, thank you so much. For those that have never been, your time to go is now. And for those of you that have just started going, you're getting that nostalgia, I'm sure, already. So thank you to Carvel for all that they do. It is time to hop in to the Annoying Moment of the Week in just a second. Let me let you know what's going on for the rest of the show. Right after the annoying moment of the week, around 9 30 a.m. Eastern Time, we'll have Howard Trish, Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball alum, on the show for significant sound bites. Significant sound bites, special conversations that we have throughout the week. Get to choose something different every single week. And significant sound bites will be Howard Trish this week. I really appreciate his time and appreciate him being part of the show. So, Howard will be the significant sound bites of. This week here, here on Friday the 13th, and then in the second hour of the show, we're getting Mike Sofka back on the show. He's been off for a couple weeks, but you know Mike and I for weekly talking about fantasy football and how fantasy football never ends, never goes away. There's always something to discuss. There's always something in fantasy, something affecting something with, you know, injuries and free agency and trades and the draft fantasy football never truly goes away. It is a year-round sport, if you will, and wait the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge is always on. So Mike's going to join me to discuss NFL pre-agency trades, the biggest moves that are on his mind, as well as some things on the draft, because I'm going to go be heavy on the draft as we get closer and closer to it, and like I said, I'm going to have my own mock draft. So... Make sure that you're staying tuned to this Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora show every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com backslash dt. Make sure you connect yourself with the show, and Mike will be with me in the second hour of the show to discuss what he's taken away so far from the moves that have been made, some moves that he think he thinks will be made and what teams are looking good so far. So Mike will be back on to get you ready for fantasy with myself and to let you know kind of what's going on here in the NFL as we continue to roll forward with football. And like I said, there is really no days off when it comes to the National Football League. So that's all coming up here on the show. Let's get the annoying moment of the week rolling because you know that this is one of my favorite things and one of my most favorite things to do in the last, what, eight years? So let's get it rolling.
0: Dan Tortora proudly brings you. Is that for real? Are you kidding me? The annoying moment of the week.
1: I I, I really honestly I don't know how to respond to this.
0: Presented by Carvel DeWitt, 4322 East Genesee Street. It's what happy tastes like.
1: Do you have to be that crazy. I guess so. The Annoying Moment for this week. Here we are, Friday the 13th. What shall be the Annoying Moment of the week? Well, you know, I have thoughts. I have uh, a (laughs) a bunch of different thoughts about what the Annoying Moment of the week could be. Could be anything, folks. Could be anything. The Annoying Moment of the week always shifting and changing and Sometimes it is directly with sports, sometimes with life in general, sometimes it it goes back and forth. Man, I guess the annoying moment of the week this week, there's a couple things. The first one would be invasive behavior. How about that? Invasive behavior. When people seem to be very comfortable asking you intimate details about your life. We, I feel most of us have been through that. Some type of invasive behavior and questioning. You know, I I love the question when someone goes, how much money do you make? And I'm like, damn. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Very invasive behavior. And there's certain things that you don't ask people. You know, my mom said, (laughs) don't usually like guess people's age or ask people's age. Don't guess if somebody's pregnant. Don't ask somebody how much money they make. You know, there's certain things that, that you kind of just grow up with uh, etiquette, so to speak, and, and, and knowing things, but you know, there's invasive behavior. And I feel that I've been, the, I've been on the other side of it where someone's like, well, what do you this? What do you that? What about this about the house? What about that? Da, da, da? And I'm like, what are you, casing case in the joint? Like, I, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand, you know, what's, what you're gonna what benefits you from knowing this information and for, for having this information. And if you ever flip this script and you say to somebody, well, how much money do you make? Well, how many people do you help? Well, how much do you do this? What do you do with your kids for this? Well, how do you, how do you do this with your, and, and do you reprimand your kids when you reprimand your kids? How do you reprimand your kids? people would flip out. You know what I mean? There's a there's a way to have a conversation with someone to learn about someone without sounding like you're investigating somebody. So invasive behavior, that would be an annoying moment. Another annoying moment would be the people out there that don't respect animals. I had an idiot. There's really no way for me to to say it around this. It was an idiot, but you know I love my dog, and I talk about Lily here on the show, so I shouldn't say idiot. Let's not be rude. Let's not call names. It was a person who was just not a good per, not a nice person, and somebody who tends to like to, seemingly like to hurt other people for no reason. Let's say that. We won't say idiot. We'll just say somebody that enjoys hurting other people, because apparently this person does, and we were having a conversation, and they said, do you have kids? And I said, not yet, but I have a dog. And they were like, oh. And I said, yeah, she's like my little kid. I said, I treat her like my kid. I love her so much, so sweet. And they were like, yeah. Well, they're not children, and it's not the same because obviously she can't talk to you. And I'm thinking a deaf child couldn't talk to me. So are they my child? So, I mean, it just, it is. I think what I'm trying to get at in the annoying moment of the week this week is that people have opinions. Everybody has an opinion. My dad always said to me, everybody has an opinion like everybody has a butthole. And, <laughs> you know, and everybody's got an opinion like everybody has a butthole. And some people come across like a butthole when they give their opinions. There are things that I agree with and don't agree with in life. I've never told somebody outside of like, please don't kill someone and hurt someone or steal from someone outside of like normal things. I don't think it's my business to say, I mean, I think people should know like, Hey, don't steal, you know, don't hurt other people deliberately. That should be a given, right? But what people do in the comfort of their own home, as far as, you know, what type of food they eat, if they raise their child vegan, if they eat red meat, if they, you know, how they pray, when they pray. I mean, there's certain things that it's like, that's none of your business and it's invasive and it's rude. And I feel like, you know, the, the world has gotten very comfortable in saying, well, this is what I do, so you should do it too or else and I don't feel like it needs to be that way. I feel like people need to enjoy the life that they have and and make the most of the life that they have and we all have the right to live our lives the way we want to live our lives. As long as we're not hurting anybody deliberately, I think that we have the right to go out there and have some fun and live the life that we want to live. So I would say annoying moment of the week this week, you know, two scoops, invasive behavior and People that don't respect the whole, you know, side, the, the dog side of it, you know, the dog, the cat, the bird, the salamander, whatever it may be, you know, I just, everybody that I meet that, that loves animals, you know, I have such appreciation for that and such respect for that. And I don't think anybody has a right to say that to you. It's like, it's like, what if I couldn't have children? And my dog was the closest thing that I was ever going to have. Like, you know what I mean? Like you never, and I said this to my wife yesterday, we were having lunch and I said, you never know the other person completely that's on the other side of you when you're having a conversation, especially a stranger. You never know what that person's life has been, what it is. You don't know what they're going through in that moment. And that's why when people are mean to other people, not only is it gross, but it's so ignorant. Because you have no idea what that person's been through. You know, to walk down the hallway with me and go, ha ha ha, dogs don't matter. (laughs) Have a great day. And it's like, oh yeah, well my grandma just passed away too, so thanks. Appreciate it. You know, it's like, it's it's not... We as a society, we have to have common courtesy and respect for one another. Once that goes out the door, there's nothing, you know, and you never know the battles that people are fighting. You never know what's going on. I mean, you can call up a friend and you can complain that somebody cuts you in the line at Wegmans and that friend's like a good friend and they're listening to you and giving you advice and hearing you out and being there for you. And then all of a sudden you know, like weeks go by and they're like, hey, when you called me a few weeks ago and we were on the phone, I really didn't get uh, to get a word in, you know, and my mom has cancer and you're sitting here like I spent 37 minutes complaining about a woman at Wegmans and you have a real problem, but you didn't, This you didn't ask. So, you know, to me, you got to just be nice to people. You never know what people's situations are and if you're always nice then and i'm not saying don't don't misconstrue nice with soft don't misconstrue nice with not sticking up for yourself or your loved ones don't misconstrue me please on any of that i'm just saying be nice i've never gone out in life and said i'm going to look for a fight today i don't do that i don't i've never walked outside and said i'm going to ruin somebody's day Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to do. Because I'm angry, so I'm going to make somebody else angry. The people that do that are undeniably broken. If you can be unhappy yourself, stay in the unhappiness, and then want someone else to join you, you need some prayers, and you need to get out of the hole that you're in. You don't need to drag anybody down there with you. So, let's be good to one another. My final scoop of the annoying moment of the week... Has to do with this man that I spoke about earlier here in the show this week, and that's Andre Ingram, 32 years old, finally got to get to the NBA and play for the Lakers, and had 19 points and phenomenal shooting, and did some amazing things, and he's going to throw out the first pitch at Dodger Stadium, and I'm so proud and so happy for him. And my annoying moment of the week is that it took, is that we had to wait to see this moment. I know, and this is, and obviously it's a joke. It's a joke. I'm not like, oh my gosh, screw you, this, that, and the other thing to the NBA. It's a joke. It's it's annoying that we had to wait so long to see this story. It's annoying that this man had to wait so long you know, for to tell his story, so to speak, in this way. But at the same time, God's never late, and God's always on time. So, as much as I'm joking around that it's the, it's the annoying moment of the week that Andre Ingram's story didn't get to be told until now, I know God's always on time, so... I I know that there's no other time that the story could have been told and I know that when it was told today is when we needed it to be told and I know that this was the time so I appreciate it and, and I thank this story for being told and I'm excited I'm excited that this story was finally told so all jokes aside Andre Ingram is just he's a phenomenal story. He's a phenomenal story and I'm very thankful. That we get to hear the story and see the story now. And and like I said, as much as this man had to wait over a decade, God's always on time. So I'm joking around like, you know, darn it, I wish we, we had this first. I wish it happened to him sooner. But who am I or who is anybody to say what time is the right time? I'm just happy that it finally happened and it was time. So God bless to that. Something else that came out, and this is definitely not the annoying moment of the week, but we're we're spinning it in a positive way rolling out of this annoying moment of the week, is that John Torrey, the mayor of, let me see here. I love this. The Raptors begin their playoff run tomorrow night. We're rallying behind them. I proclaimed tomorrow Toronto Raptors Day in the city of Toronto. We are the north. So Toronto Raptors Day, April 4th, April 14th, two thousand. 18. This is from the Mayor of Toronto, John Torrey, who said, Whereas the Toronto Raptors set a new franchise record with 59 wins in a season and qualified for the NBA 2018 playoffs, the Raptors' season was highlighted by the number of milestones, including breaking another franchise record with 34 wins at home and finishing first in the Eastern Conference for the first time ever. An all-star lineup with exceptional young talent and leadership from management has truly cemented we the north as a catchphrase to be feared around the league Toronto on Toronto Raptors Day I encourage everyone in our city to show our support and appreciation for this incredible team the city of Toronto would like to thank the players coaches and staff for the wonderful year so far we are extremely proud of the Toronto Raptors and we look forward to filling up Jurassic Park deep into the postseason and showing our opponents what home court advantage really means. Now, therefore, I, Mayor John Tory, on behalf of Toronto City Council, do hereby proclaim April 14th, 2018, as Toronto Raptors Day in the city of Toronto. Let's go Raptors. That's right, homie. Let's make it happen. John Tory, the mayor of Toronto, has declared April 14th Toronto Raptors Day. And isn't that an exciting moment in Toronto Raptors history? that they finally have their day, and hopefully they will finally have their day in the sun, that since 1995 have never been the number one seed in the Eastern Conference and have never advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals and hoisted the trophy, or the uh, NBA Finals and hoisted the trophy. So the day is today, and God bless that day. The annoying moment of the week. Three scoops you got. Don't be an invasive person. Respect people that have animals. And Andre Ingram we love your story and we're so happy that you got to tell it. And, you know, I'm just hoping and praying that other people's stories get to be told as well. Andre wasn't an annoying moment of the week. It was a sarcastic, annoying moment of the week, like great story. Why do we have to wait so long for it? But in in reality, great stories are always worth the wait. And I know that for Andre, it was a big moment. And I hope that God continues to bless his path. We will take a step aside here for a fast break. I want to thank Carvel DeWitt for the annoying moment of the week. When we come back from the fast break, we will hop right into Significant Sound Bites, proudly featuring Howard Trish, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, with his thoughts on the Syracuse Orange season, Darius Baisley, the G League, and what's going on from college to pro, and so much more. We'll get into everything Syracuse and college basketball related in just a moment.
0: This is a wake-up call, Fast Break.
1: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash Wake Call DT. Happy to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on MixLR.com backslash Wake Call DT, the direct line, and you can also pull up the live feed on DT.com. Here on the show, no stranger to the broadcast, is Howard Trish. Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum here to speak with me on his thoughts and his takeaways from the team's run to the Sweet 16 this season as well as a look at college basketball in and of itself the NBA and the link between the two and then moving on from here to what his thoughts are moving forward with a team that that obviously did a lot with what many considered a little with that being said let's bring him into the show Howard how you doing today
3: great Dan Uh, thanks for having me on again Good to talk
1: with you. Absolutely, and, and and Howard, I appreciate your time for sure. And, and, and you know, kind of just to get things started with this season, in your opinion, just what you took away from it. You know, I'll give my thoughts as we go, but a totally unloaded question. What did you think about this season?
3: Well, uh, uh, from the start, uh, I remember going into coaches' uh office at the beginning of the season and which i always try to do and, and wish him well and uh and he'll give me a little feedback on what he thinks this, the team is gonna is gonna do and who's gonna do what and and so forth and you know how coach kind of struggles with uh teams that are uh um you know not as taunted as as gonna be great or highly um uh, um ranked at the beginning of the year and, uh, you know, like I always say, the coach, when he when he's faced with a team like that, he always does well uh, with those those types of teams. They seem to to dig it out. They they may be a little inconsistent, but in the end, they seem to, to pull things out. And that's kind of what they did this year. They struggled at times. And uh, because, you know, chemistry, They're, you you develop over a certain period of time, and if you didn't have it the year before, that's just a struggle on onto the to the next year. And sometimes teams can develop it quickly, and sometimes teams it takes a while. And then uh, sometimes you you get a team where, like this year, where uh, you know they had three key players, and the other two were were very consistent, and they were battling uh, you know between uh, Moyer, Sidibe, um, Pascal uh, to, you know, for, for time and uh, they, you know, they, they struggle. Sometimes they, they were, they did well. And, you know, sometimes they, they struggled. So it, it put a big load on, on the three. Unlike last year, uh, you had a, a few guys that towards the end of the season, they, they came on strong. Uh, you just didn't have that this year.
1: Yeah, you know, and and when we look at the team this season, like you said, you know, a lot was on the big three. A lot was on O'Shea Brissett coming in as a true freshman and needing to be effective right away. Frank Howard not really asked to be an offensive player his first two seasons, and he needed to to come in and take his first two seasons, multiply it by 10, and play at that level every single game. And then Tyus Battle had to come back and do what he did last year, but even more so because of the top five scores the last season, he was the only one with Torian Thompson transferring out, Tyler Lydon going to the NBA, and John Gillen and Andrew White the third finishing up their eligibility. Right. So, you know, right. this team had a lot of pressure and a, and a lot on their shoulders, and I think that, you know, that's something I've, I've really tried to speak on here on the show to say, you know, respect these guys for how they walked into this season and you know, there's, there's always that thought of you got to get to 20 wins or more, got to get to sweet 16 or bust. But this team, I think, you know, deserves due credit for walking into this season and coming out of this season after 37 games with playing pretty well and, and playing better down the stretch. I mean, they had a lot against them this year, and I don't know if, if you know, the respect came during the season as much as it started to at the end. But I mean, this is definitely a season that was an uphill battle for them. Yeah.
3: I think uh, fans really want the team to do well. And, you know, sometimes they're fair feather, fair weathered friends and uh, fans and they just, you know, will go with them when they're doing well. And then, uh, you know, feel like such a letdown when they're not, you know, playing as well. Uh, but, you know, you have to take the full body of, of the season and what, what they, you know, had to endure, like you know, exactly like you're, you talked about, is that it's tough just to come in. You got to work on the chemistry. I was very unsure about how Frank Howard was going to play this year, coming off from last year and not playing much and be put in a in a position. Uh, and I give him a lot of credit for this year to be able to do the things that he that he did. Uh, you know, sometimes more more often than not, he played well. So I, I think I give him a lot of credit from, from that standpoint. And, I, and that was the one question I had at the, at the, at the point guard spot. It's tough to just come in and do what, he's, what he did because you have the ball all the time. It's up to you to make the plays an awful lot and to, and to lead the team. I highly regard the, the point guard you know, and, and, and on teams uh, to play that kind of role.
1: Yeah, you know, and when we look at Frank Howard and what Frank did this season, you know, I think it, it has to be noted that not only did Frank improve himself from the point guard position, but, I mean, this is a guy who, during the season I said, hey, if we look at a stat line of any point guard in the country on, on 351 Division One men's basketball teams, his stat line could hang with anybody if he lowered his turnovers and heightened his three-point percentage. And then, almost immediately after that conversation was said on the show, I jokingly said, I guess Frank was listening because he went and had two great games from three point range, improved from then on for the most part on his three point shooting. And then, on top of that, was able to minimize his turnovers when he was having, you know, five, six, seven in a game to having four, three, two, and whatnot from there. So, I mean, you know, from Frank, Frank, from the first couple seasons into this season, wasn't a score, wasn't really, you know, effective at the charity stripe, at the three-point line, field goals in general. He was able to boost all of that up, lower his turnovers, improve his shots. And, And the crazy thing about it is Tyus Battle took twice as, exactly twice as many shots his sophomore season to his freshman season. It was exactly double from one year to the next. The crazy thing about that was the more shots Tyus took, the more his percentage went down the more shots that Frank took, and I feel like, you know, there's so much emphasis on Tyus' shot, the more shots that Frank took this season from last season, the higher his percentage went. So the more shots he was taking, the more we're going in. And I think that, you know, we really need to give him a lot of praise where praise is due for the offensive mind that he's had this year, the ability that he's had this season, and just everything he brought to the game because he did what this team needed, but I don't think necessarily what a lot of people expected him to do.
3: Right, and, and, uh, and you made a good point as far as Tyus, I think, he just uh, I believe he uh, knew he had to do it, and, and it was you know, the pressure was on him to do and, and to take that, and and sometimes you know, majority of the shots were good shots, but you know, he put up some that mm-hmm. um, that he might have felt you know pressured to do, or whereas Howard, I think When he shot more, he did it from a a confidence standpoint. I think when he was making shots, you know, he just continued doing that as opposed to uh, starting out and just shooting an awful lot. I think his shot, and that's what increased, I think, his percentage standpoint because, you know, he he just doubled down on the shots when he was scoring and and continued it. That's what it appeared to me from, from my standpoint.
1: And we're speaking here with Howard Trish, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum on this season that Syracuse just had, two thousand seventeen, eighteen. They they made this, and it was funny because my wife said, she goes, "I know that they're not supposed to, and they're not thought that they will." So she said, "I know that this is going to be the season that you'll be on the road," and and I, in fact, was from Dayton straight to Detroit, came home for four days, did four events in four days, then went out to Omaha and watched this team continue to make this this wonderful run that they did. I've covered a lot of Syracuse teams. I've covered the last two Final Four teams on location, Howard. But i got to be honest with you, this, in my opinion, even though they didn't get to the Final Four, this, to me, was one of the sweetest, most satisfying seasons for the Syracuse Orange because of what people thought, because of the five and a half to six players that they had just the way that they did it how they did more with less even though this wasn't a final four season in my opinion as a broadcaster and a writer watching them firsthand i uh, this season to me is going to go down in history as one of the best seasons that they've ever had
3: yeah no questions from a defense standpoint they were you know pretty much consistent throughout you know throughout the year when i you know when i say consistency i i think of 75% or better from from a standpoint of of holding teams down, um, you know they were a team that in the you know if they maintained in the fifties and, er, and, and uh and low sixties, they had they were in there with an opportunity to win, and they were able to to do that from a, a consistent basis when they when they were winning. So uh, that that tells me without without question that. You know the adversity that, that that they had. They may not have been scoring a lot, but they still maintained what they could. They had control over, which was to play defense and play aggressive. And that goes to to the to the players and to dig down deep and to shrug off the media, shrug off what what people might be saying, and and do something that they have control over. And they were able to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 to look at the defensive side of things, I mean, it's it's not it's not something that's always talked about a lot, you know, when you when you hear Kentucky, you don't hear defense. When you hear Michigan State, you don't hear defense and Villanova and so on and Gonzaga and so on and so forth. But this Syracuse team really locked in on defense, did what they needed to do and even in the loss to Duke the second time around, They had shown that they had gotten a lot better from their last time that they had faced the Duke Blue Devils. And without a couple late turnovers, the game's tied at the end of the game. So we look at how Syracuse evolved and got better and better and how that defense evolved. And arguably they played their best games of the season inside of the NCAA tournament. Would that be a fair assessment in your opinion to say that their best basketball was right at the time where they needed it most?
3: Absolutely. And and I think people have a tendency to look at offensive end to judge whether a team is doing better. In fact, this team, you have to look at their defense as to see how well they were playing Uh, because when they were able to, to play defense, well, and hold teams down, again, I would say that consistency would be over 75% of the time they were in there in the game and, and, and going to, to compete and a possibility of winning. And when you're when you get to the tournament, you know, you're at a, at another level of, of confidence and drive and you know it's one and then you're done. So uh that, that steps up your game. And they were able to do that uh you know, above what the expectations was, but it probably wasn't for them. So I give them again, I give them a lot of credit and uh, they were able to step up defensively. And
1: as they moved forward and as we move forward, they didn't have anybody, you know, senior wise that was going to be moving on. So everybody eligible to come back. And as we look at the roster going down the line here, we've spoken a little bit about Frank Howard and Tyus Battle, as well as O'Shea Brissett, who's decided he's coming back. I want to stop on O'Shea here with Howard Trish for a second. I'm not surprised at all. I I had conversations with O'Shea during the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament that led me to believe that this is where he was going to be as a sophomore, that he would be coming back after the ACC tournament. You know, just just sitting down and saying, you know, I haven't thought a lick about this, you know, about leaving or not being a part of this team. And, And at the end of the team season in the NCAA tournament, you know, I spoke with him about leadership, about Frank Howard and Tyus Battle and his takeaways. I don't think that it's respectful three minutes after a game to ask a guy if he's leaving or staying after the guys played a game and with a team that he wanted to win with and obviously wanted to move on with. So, you know, I could be a weird member of the media, but somebody had, one of the fans had said, I'm surprised nobody had the balls to ask Tyus Battle that question. And I said, well, you've misconstrued it because its it takes the opposite of having balls to ask a question three minutes after the game that shows no right. respect for the run of the team. So right. I didn't talk to O'Shea about, are you leaving? I spoke with him about, you know, what are your thoughts toward next season? You know, not, hey, are you leaving or staying? But, okay, you know, you, what can you say about leadership, about the guys that you've had, and what do you think about next season going into it? And he stayed on being a leader. On how good Frank Howard's been to him, on how good Tyus Battle's been to him. And he kept reiterating, I can't wait to lead these guys. I know what it takes now. I made my mistakes. Now I can lead these young guys. I can put them under my wing. It's my turn to step up. And so when there was the announcement that he was coming back two weeks later, I just replayed that conversation and said, folks, it's been sitting up there. You know, with with him talking about the future, what do you think about that conversation that when I asked him about, you know, all right, moving forward, what are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. And he just commended the leadership that he's had and couldn't say enough about how badly he wants to be a leader moving forward.
3: Well, that's interesting that he was able to put that together in in that way. You know, just after a game of loss, I don't think too many people would, you know, uh, uh, been able to put something like that when you're still reflecting on the game that just happened. So, you know, from from a character standpoint, I think all these guys are, are great. And, and speaking to them, and we just are blessed to have such high quality character players, you know, on the team and from in Syracuse. So, um, I give them those guys a lot of credit from from their character standpoint, and especially O'Shea to to. To elaborate and, uh, on next year and to be being a leader and knowing what he needs to set forth, um, he's ahead of the game. I consider that, being ahead of the game. Now he just has to figure out what are the parts that he has so he can uh, – you know, be a part of that and, and talk to the guys and talk about what you know, kind of what their strengths are and, and work on their game. You know, encourage players to work on their game on the off season. That's where you make the greatest gains are in the any the off season, whether in the weight room or, or playing. Um, you know, non organized per se basketball that's how you learn learn your moves that's how you learn your confidence in, in your game is, is to play um you know in a sense unorganized or park play is where where you sometimes where you gain that that from so him for him to <clears throat> hopefully the guys are up here this year this summer whether they're taking classes or not are able to play together uh and, and that'll be a big uh, <clears throat> an advantage they'll have going into next year
1: That coming from Howard Trish, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, and and, you know to to go back to Tyus, the Tyus battle factor, you know my gut tells me that he is coming back. My you know that's that's where I'm at right now. But I tell people all the time, you know this is fluid. He went and tested out the NBA draft combine last year with no agent to see what they said about him. I think that that's one thing that the NBA is doing right is allowing guys to gather information and get some intel on what scouts are thinking about them before having to make a decision and with full ability to return back to their team after gaining that information. So he did it last year. I would anticipate him to do it this year as well, but something inside of me tells me he's coming back at the same time. I tell fans all the time, I can say that today in the early part of April, but depending on what he hears and what people say, You know, people got to understand if, if you're planning on coming back and you hear from 10 different NBA scouts that you're a top 15 pick, well, guess what? You know, this guy's been dreaming about this his whole life. What's your thought on the Tyus battle factor and the fact that this is a fluid situation and, you know, he could be doing something today that maybe might change tomorrow.
3: You know, when it comes to a player leaving, you know, college and going to the pros, I'm probably like two for 10. Um, i don't I, I guess i evaluate now as opposed to the potential for from that standpoint and i know that's what the nba looks for and uh you know that that potential that they see um after the first couple of years now you look at the players that have left and, and so forth yeah they might have gone high picks but after two years three years where are they now you have to look at that consideration I think as as a player and what has come before you and and, uh, you know the NBA isn't always right and you have to recognize that now do do you take the money and have a great foundation to start a career or something else or keep playing overseas you know that's there um I think that's not 100% of why you know young people play, play basketball um you know, that is maybe the end game is to make it to the NBA and then make uh, tons of money and never have to worry about per se working again. That's, you know, that's wonderful. If if you can can do that. I I salute anybody that's going to go for that. I used to be, you know, more so stay in school and do for and, and so forth. You can always get an education, you always come back. And, and and colleges now allow you to come back and, and and finish your undergrad and they they pick up the tab. That's all part of that point system now where where players have to, you know, the colleges get points for 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 graduates and, and so forth. So, um you know, as far as ties goes, uh, you know, that's, again, that's something that he has to look at and, and evaluate. If he sees that an opportunity for him to go, then I wish him the best, and, and he should go. But if he did similar to what he did last year, and see that hey, he's probably at the same at the same point and not at a high enough stent to to really capitalize, then he should come back. I hope that they all come back and, you know, and, and be a part of the team because the team will be so much better, you know, from from a standpoint because of the chemistry. I'll be there, you know, there'll be multiple players with have played in, in the previous season, and that's what I think that that we look for is is to be able to build that chemistry from season to season where it used to be, uh, used to be like that. Now, you know, teams gotta gotta get their act together really quick. To be successful.
1: Yeah, and speaking here with Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum Howard Trish and, and Howard. Before I before I let you go here, you know, you speak on coming back and team chemistry. Also with this team this season, you know, a lot of people concerned about Darius Baisley and you know, I always tell people, even though he had signed on the dotted line, you know, you can't you can't cry over something you never had. You can't cry over a relationship that never really got going. And you know, if if you're supposed to bring a certain girl to the dance and she doesn't show up. Are you going to dance with somebody else and have a good time or are you going to cry in the corner that she's not at the dance? So with looking at that situation, Syracuse has 10 players. If Tyus comes back, there are 10 players in depth at every position from shooting guard to the forward positions, to point guard, to the center positions. Syracuse would have Frank Howard as a senior, Pascal Chuku coming back as a redshirt senior. Tyus Battle is a junior, Barama Sidibe, O'Shea Brissett, Howard Washington Jr., and Marek Dolajai, all as sophomores. Elijah Hughes, after sitting out a season, is a sophomore and has three seasons of eligibility. And then Buddy Bayheim and Jalen Carey coming in as freshmen of the backcourt. So what can you say to that? I mean, this team did so much with, I say five and a half because Barama wasn't 100% healthy, and they, they did what they did and went to the Sweet 16 with five and a half guys. This year, without Darius Baisley... They have 10 players and they have someone to give somebody else a break at every position if these guys hold their weight. So I would venture to say that if they did what they did this year with more depth and reinforcement, they should get right back there, if not do better this coming season. And I think that it's time for people to to move on from Darius Baisley and see that there is depth out there for this team and, and there's some much needed help, hopefully, in the eyes of Syracuse fans coming in for this one,
3: well, yeah, of course. When again, when you have players that are um, from the previous years, your your chemistry is going to going to get better. The players are going to get better, and then you tie in uh, some more uh, players that you know like to compete and that fit in well in, in the system. The team is gonna is going to be better, and that's what I anticipate the team. No matter who they have. Yes, they're more for a couple of days of someone that they lost. But, you know, they're all big boys. Uh, the coaches and the players, they're all big. They can know what to do and go forward. And i that's all I expect of them to, to go forward and put together a game plan and a team plan and, and work around what they need to do to be successful.
1: And with that being said, you know, the Darius Baisley factor in this, not just Darius Baisley, but, you know, I use him as an example because the – jump from high school to the G League is, is something that's, you know, been unheard of. He is, he is paving a new way, cutting a new path, so to speak, through the brush. There is no concrete on the ground of this one. So with that being said, I mean, there are two ways and people are learning them more so now because of what Darius did, but you can go from high school or prep school and, and go around college by going overseas like the ball family has playing a year overseas and then put, entering your name into the draft you got to be 18 years old at least you got to have a year right. overseas you come back in the G League right. you stay here you got to be at least 18 years old to put your name to be able to sign a contract in September put your name into the October draft for the G League you get drafted you play nobody owns your rights and then you immediately can be in the 2019 NBA draft as an example so i mean what do you think about there used to be you can jump right out of high school. Now they tell you, no, you got to spend a year in college, but there is the loophole of the G League and the loophole of overseas. So there is a one and done rule, but it's kind of, it is, but it's not because players are now finding ways to make some money, gain some experience. And now they don't have to go overseas. They can stay in the States, make almost 30 grand a year, and then go into the NBA draft. So, what are your thoughts yeah. on these avenues that I, I, go around? I, I think
3: that I think the avenue, and I might not be hundred percent correct in this, but I think the avenue overseas is has always been there. Um, there's been numerous players that get, um, yeah, come in from college that's played professionally on on club teams overseas, and you'll see a lot of players get picked up after playing, you know, uh, so. Uh, you know in different leagues and, and professional overseas and then they get pulled into the draft overseas now the d league is obviously this, this, this something that not necessarily new for for players that don't aren't going to college or just can't predict and get, and get into college I don't, I don't think that that's new for them but uh, from my understanding darius was a, was accepted here and had an opportunity to to, to come and, you know, um, he's breaking new ground from that standpoint. And I'm sure, if, if we say he's the first, he won't be the last. And you'll you'll see more. And he might have got that idea from the Ball family uh, jumping ship uh, this year. Now these these guys want to play. That's all they want to do. They want to play uh, and not and skip all the other stuff that's involved with with going to school. And uh, you know, someone's told them that they're great. And they can do that and they believe it and then they're confident in themselves. And now they just have to, uh, you know, play the part. Um, unfortunately, you know, if they do want to get an education, they might have to play, pay for it next. Uh, Cause they weren't, you know, in, in, in a school or, or so forth or, or leaving early. Now we know if Mellow wanted to come back to school, it'd be no problem with the Syracuse picking up the tab. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and, and when, and when we look at this, so I mean, What do you think about this movement that's, you know, a guy can say, you know what? I'm only, you know, I don't really want to go to school. I feel like I'm forced to go to school. I'm going to be there for two semesters. It doesn't really matter to me. So, you know, I'll go make $26,000 max in the G League. It's money that I wasn't going to make in college at all. And I'll make this money. I'll go in the draft. I mean, what do you think about the G League route that Darius has taken that other people will take. What do you think about this avenue of not going to school?
3: Yeah, that's, that's their decision. I mean, that's what we have to understand. We can, we can't make decisions for people, you know, no matter what we think, or if we have a crystal ball or, or whatever it is, this is, these are, you know, these are, they're making their family decisions or they're making individual decisions, but it's their decisions. It's their life. Um, and we'll see the results of it in, in a few years, if that was the right decision for them. Uh, one thing about making decisions and whether it's, uh, you know, you're successful or not, you know that, you know what to do on, on the next time because you're just one step closer to being successful. So uh, hopefully they, you know, are working hard, working hard in their game. Uh, putting it together along with their talent and, and working hard, and uh, then they'll be successful. Uh, but I don't think we're we're the ones to to knock these guys or that are ha- making different decisions than uh, what we are, are used to.
1: Should there, in your opinion, you know, outside of that, should there be some type of a punishment if a player is to? be recruited, verbally commit, and then sign, actually sign on the dotted line as Darius Baisley did, should there be some type of repercussion with a team spending, you know, 10 months, a year, year and a half, whatever it may be, recruiting you and turning other people away, guaranteeing you that scholarship, and then when all the dust settles, that kid says, hey, you know what, rip up that piece of paper that my contract's on, it's null and void, should there be a repercussion for that?
3: I don't think so. Absolutely not. They're not paying the players. When they start paying the players, then you can start talking about that because there's something financial that they're that they're giving the player. You know, if they paid the player in in advance and said, "Hey, this is what you," and of course, obviously, if that was legal to do, uh, since they're not doing that, um, it's just a a written contract that that you're gonna um, the school's gonna. I'll give you a scholarship and this is, this is what it is. And, and so forth. Um, unfortunately, nothing's guaranteed from, from, from that standpoint. Uh, they decided to go another way and they informed the school that they're going another way. They didn't just not show up and, uh in a September and say, hey, you know, I don't, um, this is not for me. Now that was been a whole different story, but you know, they, they, they stepped up when they thought the decision was, was made and uh they're they're moving forward so i wish them best of luck
1: and with that being said syracuse is moving forward into the 2018-19 season the acc hard to believe it folks here in april fresh off of the national championship in villanova hoisting the trophy the acc and conferences around the country have already let you know who the opponents will be coming up and syracuse will have a home and a road with BC, Clemson, Duke, and Pitt. They'll be at home against Florida State, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Miami, and Virginia, and on the road against Carolina, NC State, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. Hard to believe it's already out there, but Howard, it, we <laughs> in this world that we live in, it's like, you know, on to the next one, I guess. So the, the schedule is already there of who Syracuse is going to be facing, but I hope that Fans take the time to appreciate this moment, just as I appreciate you coming on the show today, and I thank you very much for that.
3: Uh, no no question, I, I appreciate Dan for, for having me, and uh, you know, it's, I think people really enjoy talking about Syracuse basketball all year round, and it just gives them a little bit more to, to talk about and, and anticipate, as the schedule.
1: Absolutely, and, and speaking of anticipating and something to talk about, Howard Trish will be joining us for the CNY Pop Festival, Sunday, August 12th of this year, 2018. And that'll be going on all day from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the F-Shed at the Regional Market. Very excited to have Howard Trish as well as other Syracuse basketball alumni join us for that special day. And and Howard, I, I really appreciate you doing that for the community. I know you got some Good thoughts and, and things to move forward with this. But I want to thank you because uh, fans are are going to get something to do. And like you said, they always like talking throughout the year. Well, we'll give them something to do in August when they're itching for basketball, which I appreciate you being a part of.
3: Uh, no question. Thank you.
1: All right, I'll talk with you soon. Okay, take care. This is a wake-up call Fast Break.
4: This is Jimer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. He kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacted the lives of others it was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is... where you could choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear.
1: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on DT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Want to give a special thank you to Howard Trish once again for being a part of the show, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum. Truly appreciate him being a part of the show today and a part of the CNY Pop Festival coming up on August 12th. Buy your tickets now. Do not hesitate. We have a very limited quantity of VIPs as well as the May the 4th Be With You sale, which gives us an opportunity to get you and your child in for the price of just one adult. So buy your adult ticket and and make sure you get the right one. It says Free Child with Adult Purchase. Once you do that, then you and your child will be coming into the CNY Pop Festival for the price of just one adult ticket. Get that at cnypopfestival.com. Here in the second hour of the show, as you become accustomed to, Mike Sofka and I are talking fantasy football throughout the year, discussing the NFL what's going on and how those moves are affecting you and how team, you know, what teams are doing and who they're drafting every single day it feels. And definitely every single week something's going on that we could talk about in the world of the NFL that will have a link to what's going on with your fantasy team and your fantasy future. And with that being said, I proudly bring on Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com to continue the conversation. It's been a few weeks, Mike, but we're happy to have you back. How are we doing? Awesome. Thank you so much. And and Mike, and we definitely want to uh to put this out there too just for you. Uh, we're happy that you're doing well. Happy that you're you're healing up and and hope nothing but the best for you. So, how's the body doing? Much better. Much-
5: time in my broad jump right now I look to be in camp soon so no I'm doing I'm doing a lot better thank you very much
1: yeah absolutely and uh, we look forward to that to that 40 time I got to work on mine myself so (laughs) we'll be be ready for that so I'm gonna throw it to you since it's been a few weeks since we've been on wake-up call together in this uh, in this hour so what's kind of going through your mind what are you thinking about when it comes to you know the upcoming season and whatnot what's what's been going on? Well, this is a
5: great time, a great opportunity to kind of get a head start on things if you're not in a dynasty format. It's a great time to start looking at the impacts of some of the rosters by some of the free agent moves we've had and by studying who's doing what and lining themselves up in what position for the draft. Maybe you have a favorite team, maybe you have a favorite college
1: know it's it's definitely rolling in and, and the preseason has already been released so we know who's playing who and when and and I just you know I feel like it's just it's getting very interesting in the sense of you know here we are sitting in April and the draft is going to be at the end of the month you know OTAs and whatnot teams are starting to gather together Cam Lynch was just on the show this week and and discussing the fact that he is you know heading over to Tampa Bay and getting ready to work out so the vets are working out the draft is going to happen OTAs mini rookie mini camp and, and all these things are going to be going on and then we're going to get into training camp in just a couple months and then before you know it we're rolling out the preseason so you know it's 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 here and, and it never goes away, and I just find it really interesting what's been going on. You brought up Jarvis Landry, and I spoke about this on the show yesterday. Five years, $75 million, $47 million guaranteed to be with the Cleveland Browns. He's played four seasons in the NFL, and God bless him, he has not missed a single game in the NFL over the last four regular seasons and the one playoff game that Miami had. So they're getting a healthy guy. They're getting a guy that could be a number one. I think that he floats between one or three, depending on how he's going to play, but he's been close to 1,000 yards, if not hitting 1,000 yards, for the last three seasons. He's dealt with different quarterbacks and still found ways to be successful. He's young. He will be 30 years old once his contract that's currently with the Browns is up. So I think that there's a, there's a, a lot of life in Jarvis Landry, and I think Cleveland dare I say it, made a good decision with his age, with his output, with his health, with everything that they have going on, and his ability to still get to or get close to a 1,000 yards when he deals with different quarterbacks and guys being injured. Jarvis Landry, to me, is one of the best moves that we've seen in the offseason.
5: Yeah, you know, I'm going to shudder as I say this, and I don't think I've ever said this in my life, but I think I would like to be the next quarterback at the Cleveland Browns because... They look like they're finally putting something together. looks like the new group has got their act together. They've made some offseason moves. The number one thing in my mind, like we just said, Jarvis Landry. But can you imagine if they get the quarterback they want and they're able to come back and get Saquon Barkley as well? that's just huge you look at Jarvis Landry you know he's only led the league in reception since he's been in the league so definitely if you're a PPR guy PPR league that's the guy you want but you look at two other receivers that they have who could arguably t- tend to be the number one receiver in the past couple years had it not been injury and other you know uh, actions like Josh Gordon had the d- disciplinary action when he came back he looked good Corey Coleman when he's on the field he looks good so in my mind three guys on the field that are capable
1: Would you like to share my holy water, or would you like some for yourself, now that we're saying
5: <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm starting to believe in Cleveland. I, I never thought I'd say that, but I'm starting to believe.
1: And, you know, and, and, and I'm there with you, too, and my wife's father, he said that. He was like, he's like, hey, how come you're not talking about Cleveland on the show? I was like, I'm sorry. Have you? I was like, did you listen to every episode? Because I've been talking about Carlos Hyde and Jarvis Landry and these movies, even Tyrod Taylor to have on there, even though I know he's, he's not necessarily the guy. But, you know, just to see what they have done, and even defensively, I mean, Cleveland is making these moves, and I've jokingly said that the best draft that Cleveland had was in the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner, but Mike, they have been watching, and that's and that's since 99, this is not including like Jim Brown and Ernie Davis, but, you know, when I look at what they're doing now, as much as I joked about Draft Day and the movie that had to do with the Cleveland Browns, I'm going to be honest with you, the moves that they're making in this offseason very much looks like the movie Draft Day because they are bringing in vet talent and they're not losing any of their draft picks. They didn't have to give up anything in the first round, second round, whatever, third round, to bring in Jarvis Landry, to bring in Carlos Hyde, to bring in Tyrod Taylor. They have been able to work things around and make things happen that has been, dare I say it, smart. I don't think anybody has had a better offseason in making moves, bringing in vets, and keeping their draft picks like we've seen the Cleveland Browns do. I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed in the water. I don't know if they kidnapped Bill Belichick and Bob Kraft for a night and made them tell them all their secrets, but something is working in Cleveland.
3: Yeah, I like, again,
5: I, I like what they're doing. And, you know, I'll like what what they're doing better if they're able to pull off the, the 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 deal like they need to. Now, in my opinion, it's up for grabs for them if, you know, when they take a quarterback. If they feel they can get their quarterback at four, they should go ahead and wait and take the best athlete in the draft. And I think that's Saquon Barkley or arguably uh, Chubb, the, the edge rusher, because they could use a quarterback, a running back, and an edge rusher. But I think the safest play is for them to get the quarterback they want, no matter which one they want. I know some forgot, uh, some guys are out there saying that, uh, you know, Josh Allen is the guy. He's got the bigger hands and the bigger upside. Some people say, uh, you know, Sam Darnold's the safest pick at all those guys. You know, and, and it's yet to be seen. I don't think a Josh Rosen is in danger of going to Cleveland. But let's say Cleveland fears that they won't be able to get Barkley at number four if that's who they're targeting at four. Maybe they take him at one and still get the quarterback they want because, don't forget, the Giants are right behind him. And then the Giants have to make a decision. You know, are they going edge rusher? or are they going quarterback of the future as well? So, you know, a lot of quarterbacks are saying, you know, four out of the top five, six in the top 16 picks could be quarterbacks. But regardless – Cleveland, I hope they get their quarterback, I hope they get the right quarterback, because first-round quarterbacks are a 50-50 shot, and you can go all the way back to uh, Peyton Manning and uh, Ryan Leaf, you know, the 1-2-1-2 thing. One guy worked out, the other guy didn't, so, you know, there's your proof right there.
1: Yeah, you know, and speaking here, on Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com, and, and you know that whenever Mike and I speak, it's it's proudly brought to you in this in this hour by the Wildcat Sports Pub your place to watch the NFL and all sporting events and that is 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus New York so come out and hang out inside Of the Wildcat Sports Pub with their entire fully stocked menu, their full bar, and their family-friendly atmosphere, which is a hard thing to pull off when you have that sports bar. But they found a way to do it all and to bring families and and the community together at the Wildcat Sports Pub. So I want to thank them for the work that they're doing and to Danny and Heather and, and the whole team. Mike, when we look at this draft, and you brought up the quarterbacks. I have said since, and you know this because you know we've talked about it, I believe, but I've said for I don't know maybe three months now, maybe four months now that Sam Darnold, in my opinion, is going to the New York Giants. I don't think he's going to Cleveland. I think he's going to New York. So, uh, what do you think about that? Do you agree or disagree with that? I know that like recently I've started to see it in mock drafts and some things have changed and people are like, okay, you know, I think think Sam Darnold could be the pick there, but I haven't wavered on thinking that this is where he's heading. I I have I just I gotta. Got a feeling that the Giants are going to be the team that he ends up with. What do you think about it? Do you agree with it, or do you think he ends up somewhere else?
5: I think the Giants hope that Sam Darnold falls to them at two, and hopes that Cleveland won't take him. And I think that's going to force Cleveland if they're if they're real close to taking him, they may go with a Sam Darnold. But if they don't, if they choose to go another direction, if they chose to go Barkley, but probably they're going to take a quarterback at one, whether that's Allen or. Or whether that's you, you, you know Darnold, I think the Giants are going to have to make a decision. The Giants would rather draft Darnold, so if Dar- if Cleveland does not take Darnold, the Giants are definitely going to take him. But I look for the Giants to have to make that coin flip decision as to whether they go with Barkley or whether they go with the edge rusher and and Bradley Chubb, and I think they're going to end up with Barkley.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I just I'm gonna I'm gonna trust my vibes and say that, that that's going to happen. But the Saquon Barkley or a quarterback at one. You know, we we've seen other sides of this thing. We know that that Tim Couch was drafted first overall when the Browns came back in 1999 over Donovan McNabb who won the NFC East numerous times with the Eagles and and went on to the Super Bowl, didn't win it, but at least got there and the Cleveland Browns have not been to the playoffs since they've come back into the league. So what do you think about drafting a quarterback first overall? If you're the Cleveland Browns and and let's let's kind of play this, I'm the GM for the day. Do you draft Saquon Barkley or do you draft a quarterback at first pick knowing that you have the fourth pick as well?
5: If I'm in love with Sam Darnold or Josh Allen, I'm taking that quarterback first off and and I can say that with confidence because I feel confident about if I'm the Cleveland organization, about what we've been able to build on and what we've been able to accomplish so far. And I think we're heading in the right direction. So I don't think Cleveland, based on their recent moves, is going to make a mistake at the number one position with who they select. And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. And, again, these are words and for years I've never said, but I think they're going to make the right choice. And I think they're going to go ahead and take the quarterback. They want with the first overall pick and just get that added away. And then if Darnold or Chubb or somebody falls to them at four, that's great. But, you know, if they do take a quarterback there, it's going to leave a decision for the Giants. And then I think the Jets are going to go ahead and take a quarterback as well. So then at number four, you know, Cleveland may still have that same opportunity to get that other guy, the edge rusher or the running back at four even, which would be huge.
1: Yeah, you know, I go back and forth with this on, on what I think the Cleveland Browns are going to do. I, I have this, I have a feeling that they're going to try and get a quarter a quarterback and a running back. You know, if if Saquon, if they if they make this happen, that they would do both at the same time. You know, Bradley Chubb is not only a good athlete, he's an athlete that I've gotten to spend some time with. So you know, I, I'm very very proud of him, and and he puts everything in front of God, which which I love. You know, and and there's one quote that he had said to me that that was very profound and I'll never forget it and that's when he made the statement you know about coming back to NC State and he said you know I can't doubt God and this is where you know he he thought that God wanted him to be so he came back and now look at where he stands right now in a position where you know he's he could definitely be the first defensive guy that's taken off the board and and you know I hope that he is so with that being said, with with Bradley Chubb, you know he's he's a good opportunity. I think you know I could see the Browns taking. I could see. I mean, I I still think about Josh Rosen too, but I could see the Browns taking a quarterback and Chubb, Saquon and Chubb. You know, I, I I think I think going offense and defense is the right way to go. But but on the other side of it, you know, do you think? And, and like we said, you know, the Browns are making good decisions and they haven't faltered yet. Do you think? that the Browns could pull off somehow getting the quarterback they want and Saquon Barkley or do you think that that even though it's it's only a couple picks in between that there's no way that's going to happen
5: Yeah well let me clarify by saying you know I have confidence in what Cleveland's done so far it looks good on paper it sounds good it feels good But until these games play out and until we see the actual production on the field and making sure some of these guys stay healthy, we're really never going to know. But it definitely looks like they're heading in the right direction, and I feel good about it. But you know, I I think it's very plausible that they get the quarterback and the running back. But again, you know, there's a guy that could sneak up into into the picture here in Aminka Fitzpatrick as well, the, the, the cover guy from Alabama. You know, so you've got two guys that are defensive guys, and I think the. Premium for a defensive guy would definitely be would definitely go to the edge rusher. So I think if all things were equal, I'd still take the edge edge rusher and Bradley Chubb over a defensive back. And then it's almost a coin flip versus the running back situation, depending on where you think you are on your team. Now maybe. One's happy in Carlos Hyde, and maybe this is all posturing, and maybe they feel Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson combined, so they miss out on a freak, uh, freak of nature like an Ezekiel Elliott number two, you know, in, in in Saquon Barkley. But maybe that's a thing they're willing to accept by taking a quarterback. And if the edge rusher falls to them, maybe they're the ones that are going to have to make the decision. I think the decision is going to be to get the quarterback they want, which is probably Darnold or Allen, and then I think they're going to be able.
1: Yeah, you know, and and that's that's what I'm looking at here is that you know, I feel that I, I just I think I mean the Jets are going to take a quarterback. I think the Giants are going to take a quarterback as well. And for Cleveland, I think they can make this work. I really do think that they could figure this out and and make this make sense for them to be able to pull it off and and do it. You know, if they if they take Saquon first and then people freak out and, you know, and the Giants go quarterback and they take Darnold. And then the Jets are going to take Allen or Rosen. And then that leaves the Browns with the other one. So, and and I don't think it's a bad pick either way. I think Josh Rosen's going to be a good NFL quarterback. So, you know, for me, I'm looking at this draft saying to myself, if you take Saquon Barkley, you're going to have one of the top three quarterbacks that's out there if you're Cleveland. And, and I don't think, you know, that they necessarily – are going to lose out in that if they do that you know if they desperately want Josh Allen and, and that's the only way that, that that they feel like they can go then you know I guess they go that route but in my opinion I feel like if you take Saquon Barkley you're going to get what you want coming off of that and have an opportunity Bradley Chubb is not bad to bring into them and and there would obviously be something in that and Saquon and Bradley I think would be potentially my pick I know I'm coming out with my mock draft so I don't want to say too much but that potentially could kind of be where maybe I'm leaning the most at the same time Tyrod Taylor's not going to be your quarterback so not of the future at least so it's hard you know I think Saquon and Bradley Chubb are are a good tandem to take in the top four, and I think it makes sense, and I think, you know, we immediately address the running back situation, we immediately, but you have Carlos Hyde, and you immediately address your defensive line, and we know that, you know, championships are won within the trenches of the offensive and defensive line, but the other side of that is then you don't get your quarterback, so I think they're going to end up going somewhere with their quarterback. I think Saquon's coming off the board first and then they're going to go after somebody. I mean, they could surprise me with Josh Allen, but I think the only way to get them both is to draft Saquon first and then draft the quarterback that's still available. And the Giants could freak out and do something crazy. I mean, the Giants could take Bradley Chubb. the Giants could, you know, say, listen, we don't need a quarterback right now in the future. We drafted Davis Webb, so, you know, there's 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 definitely the factor of the Giants could get a little bit jumbled with the second pick and not know what to do. Then the Jets are going to take one of the three quarterbacks and then the Browns might have a pick between Darnold Rosen or Allen whichever one is not off the board from the Jets. So, you know, I think that we have to look at the Giant factor here and that they don't necessarily need a quarterback. Even though I think Darnold's where they're going, they don't need a quarterback. So, with that being said, Mike, I mean, the the Browns could really have the pick of the litter for the most part if they draft Saquon first.
5: Well, you know, and and, and that's a thought because Saquon's a freak of nature. You know, he looks like. And there's another Ezekiel Elliott. But the whole thing is, this is a quarterback-driven league. And you got to be sold, without a doubt quarterback that's leading your team and a quarterback that's going to lead your team in the next three to five years are guys that you can put your whole team on. In the NFL, you have to do two things. You have to have excellent quarterback play, and you have to make the other team not have excellent quarterback play. And the way to do that is have an effective edge rusher. So they're just going to have to make some choices. And just what you said, you know, with the loss of JPP, with the, with the, uh, the, 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 The things that have been going on in New York all come out to say that they need an edge rusher. However, they also need a running back. However, if they feel one of these quarterbacks that's out there could be their franchise guy over a guy like Davis Webb, who they thought was going to be their quarterback in the future, maybe they make the move for quarterback. Because quarterback is so important in this league. You look at the top teams in this quarterback,
1: And you talk about a conversation that we've had on the show before about there being, you know, like you said, you mentioned the number six, six to eight, you know, quarterbacks you could put in this special place. And I've had six that you put in that elite level that are currently playing. And that's, you know, obviously Tom Brady with the New England Patriots. You can put in Matt Stafford. I put him in as kind of like number six. You put in Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers. You put in Drew Brees with the New Orleans Saints. That's four of yours, and then you kind of look through it and say to yourself, okay, who else makes sense? Big Ben in Pittsburgh, and then, you know, you can argue the points of the other ones. I think that, you know, Philadelphia, Carson Wentz still has more to show, and and so does Nick Foles, but, you know, Dallas doesn't have it. New York, Eli's dropped off. Washington, no. Chicago, no. Minnesota just changed their quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, you can try and argue into this thing. Cam Newton, no. Jameis Winston's not going to not going to cut it. Arizona needs help. The Rams are building. The Niners are building. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson, I don't consider him elite because he's inconsistent. I don't think he takes over every game. Denver, Kansas City, Los Angeles Chargers and the Raiders, none of them in the AFC West, none of them in the AFC South. None of them in the AFC North besides Big Ben and then in the AFC East, you know, just Tom Brady. So it's a very, very minimal list of elite quarterbacks that are currently playing in the NFL, which means that if there's only five or six, then there's, like you said, 32 teams. That means that there's 27 or 26 teams that are looking for a quarterback of the future and some of them are building with the guy that they have and the other ones are heading into this draft hoping that somebody falls to them. So, I think a lot of things can happen and and like we both alluded to, the Giants are going to be a big factor in this first round because they need a lot and, you know, they they might if they roll into a decision if they rush into something, you know, they they might regret it later on and if they draft a quarterback, then Davis Webb obviously knows that his walking papers are going to be coming sometime soon. So, you know, I, I just I think that they're going to be a big factor in this, and I think that Cleveland's going to make out. It's funny how everybody thinks, you know, is Cleveland going to shudder like they always do? I think Cleveland's going to benefit from somebody else shuddering, and I think that that's going to be the New York Giants in this draft. Who do you think is the best quarterback, in your opinion?
5: Well, I think it depends on what you're looking for. I think these guys are different kinds of guys. I think if you're looking for the guy that can come in make an impact. I think that guy is Sam Darnold. I think he's the safest pick. I don't think he has the highest ceiling, though, but I think he's got the highest floor, if that makes any sense. I don't think that he's going to come in and create problems. I think with the team they've built around in Cleveland for that quarterback, I think he could do potentially well there as well. So It might be a thing with a team fit. You take a guy like a Josh Allen, he has huge hands. I've seen this guy pump fake twice without having to the other hand so it, it, it's it's fascinating to see this guy and his rise this is a guy who really didn't have any boot chip offers wasn't a five-star guy got one offer that was to wyoming and he took advantage of it and now he you know he has said when i get on the field i want to make you look stupid i want to make you look silly for not offering me an opportunity i want to make you look silly for not choosing me i'm going to prove you wrong and you gotta like a guy with a chip on his shoulder But then you take another guy with a huge chip on his shoulder and almost to the opposite extreme, and that's a Baker Mayfield. This is a guy who's larger than life. He has a big ego, kind of reminds me of a Jim McMahon type, can run the ball, uh, can lead the team, looks like a natural leader, and his players around him tend to believe in him. You can argue that he's had some off-the-field issues and that even on-the-field issues that you know, weren't exactly smart, but these are young men. They're still learning, and they're going to make mistakes. And I remember when I was that age, I made plenty of mistakes. So, you know, I, I got to give them a break in that respect. But then you look at a guy in jo- like a Josh Rosen. He looks like he can handle the big time, and a New York Jets fit might be great for him. He comes from money. People give him downplay for that. But I don't think you can downplay a guy because his parents had money or one guy, one kid parents didn't have money. There comes a certain point, you have to have talent, it's not about money. Maybe he had some opportunities or some advancement or coaching that other players didn't have. Well, that's great, but it's put him in a good position now. He seems to be a guy, I've watched him plenty this past year at UCLA, and he looks like a guy who can rally the troops and get things going, have guys believing in him. And that's half the battle. When you're on the field, only one guy is in charge. Only one guy on that field is supposed to be talking, and that's usually the quarterback. You need that guy to be a leader. You need that guy to lead the team in the battle. And if the ten guys in the huddle with him don't believe in him, you got a problem. So each of those guys has their own individual uh, talents and own individual weaknesses. I think the safest play, you know, near the top end is a Sam Darnold. But you know, you look again there's a wild card guy in the Lamar Jackson. There's a Heisman Trophy winner that a lot of people are high on that somebody might be able to steal in the late first, you know, and and, and that could be the play of the draft right there.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and that's a conversation that gets brought up with the Jacksonville Jaguars is, you know, are, are, are they going to take Lamar Jackson? And <clears throat> that's a conversation that has definitely come up, you know, with him running the ball and, and his ability to, you know, make so many different plays with his feet and with all the guys out there that have done some great things with their feet recently in the NFL, that that he's one of the guys that arguably has done it the best. So, you know, there there is that wild card that you can have that's, that is Lamar Jackson. You know, he's not the guy that I think you roll the dice on at the beginning of the draft. I would be extremely surprised. That would be the old Cleveland thing to do would be, hey, let's draft Lamar Jackson and see what happens. But, you know, I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think he's going to come out late in the first round. I think it's phenomenal for him. If people get nervous, just like in a fantasy football draft, do you stick to the plan or when people start, you know, hesitate, start going crazy over one position, do you go nuts? If everybody's taking a tight end in the first round, do you take a tight end or do you look at it and say, uh, okay guys, <laughs> David Johnson's still available and so's Antonio Brown. So, you know, you have to, you have to figure out what your plan is going to be. And if there's, if there's some nerves that happen and a lot of quarterbacks are going and teams start freaking out, you know that's that's going to leave some things open and that might change the game but i think lamar jackson could slip and i think with with people wanting quarterbacks and wanting to be a part of this movement that's happening in this year's draft that you know he's gonna benefit from that. Maybe in other drafts he would be a second-round pick, but in this one, first-round looks to be coming his way, and it looks like there's gonna be opportunities. Like we said, there's very few elite quarterbacks in the NFL, so you know people can obviously advance themselves by drafting one in the draft potentially this year, and and see what they can come up with if they are to draft a guy like Lamar Jackson. But for me, you know Josh Rosen. What I know about Josh is. His ability to come back, and he's never really out of a game. And we talk about how offense sells you know, sells tickets, defense wins championships, and people say that things are cliche. And I think cliche is just another terminology for if you heard something a lot, but it's still true. Just because you've heard something a ton of times doesn't make it cliche. It's true. And the truth of the matter is is that offense, people want to see it, and they don't see a lot of it with the New York Jets. I think Josh Rosen makes sense here. I think if if they decided to go and say, you know, let's bring in Baker Mayfield, then it's it's going to be the same Jets team that's been a Broadway show for the last decade. I think that they want to turn this corner. If they still want to act like a football team, they're going to have to draft some draft somebody who they can count on to help them immediately. And I'm not saying that there's not talent with Baker Mayfield, but a guy that grabs his nuts when he is going by the other team's bench is not the guy that I want leading my team. And it's definitely not the way to go if I'm trying to change the climate with the New York Jets inside of MetLife Stadium and beyond. So for me, I think, you know, with Rosen, you know he's going to score. He didn't have a defense that could back him up at UCLA. And so, you know, the Jets are going to have to make moves and, and make things happen to make sure that he has better. But I think as far as scoring points and being able to hang with teams, if they believe in him, like like Mike said, in the huddle, then there's something to be said about Josh Rosen's ability to come back in a game that people think the team is already more than out of. And so that'll be fun, and it'll give something to New York that they haven't had in a long time. But I I think it's going to be a great first round of the draft. I think it's going to be a great draft overall, and I think a lot of good is going to come from these first few picks. And I think it's going to be exciting because there is so much talent, and there's so many different things that teams can do early on and, and with all these quarterbacks coming out it makes for a very interesting climate as we head into the NFL draft we're gonna take a quick step aside and head into NFL free agency and trades and what's been going on in just a moment here on wake up call with Dan Tortora on wake up call dt.com your one-stop sports shop and on mixlr.com backslash wake up call dt hanging out with Mike Sofka of hall of fame FantasyFootball.com.
0: This is a wake-up call,
1: Fast Break. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Hanging out here with Mike Sofka of Hall of FameFantasyFootball.com. You know that when we're getting you ready for the NFL season and the fantasy season, there's never an end to what's going on, and the draft is very, very close to us, folks. It's Friday the 13th. Which tells us that the draft is only thirteen days away because it will start on April twenty-sixth. So thirteen on the thirteen, and Mike and I are here discussing what's going on and how all of these moves and different things that are happening can affect your fantasy team and build some depth with your fantasy team. Maybe some of these guys that you didn't think of before you'd think of now, and one of those guys that I want to Discuss with Mike here inside of this hour, brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue. Your home for watching all sporting events, including the NFL and the NFL Draft, is on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. Mike, Alan Hearns, you and I were discussing it off the air. You know I'm a fan of Hearnsie because I've covered him for as long as he's been in Jacksonville and now he has an opportunity to go to the Dallas Cowboys. The Jaguars and the Cowboys always seem to trade players. If you go back in in history, they always seem to kind of take a little from from this jelly jar, and the, and then this jelly bean goes over to the other jelly jar. So what do you think about the Alan Hearns move that Jacksonville allowed him to do what he wanted to do, just kind of let him out and released him to the wild, and he ended up with the Dallas Cowboys, who are obviously having potentially some issues with Des Bryant? Well,
5: I'm going to give you a throwback name, a way back name for that very same issue uh, with uh, the, the, the trading players or players leaving one team going to the other. You can go back to Jimmy Smith. He used to play for Dallas, didn't do much in Dallas, came to Jacksonville, lit it up. This could be the opposite. This could be Alan Hearns leaving Jacksonville and lighting it up in Dallas. You know, there's some questions on Des Bryant. There's some questions on them trying to restructure things for him so he can stay. There's some. Rumors that he may not be there much longer, but the rest of their, you know, receivers there are quite pedestrian. Colt usually seems to be a tenacious guy, but he's not getting it done. Terrence Williams, every time I turn around, the guy's dropping the ball. Ryan Switzer, tremendous opportunity at running back kicks this past year. If he can get himself on the field, it usually takes three good years for the average not the elite, the average NFL receiver to get on a field on a consistent basis and look for Brian Switzer to start getting an uptick because they also got another guy who's capable of returning kicks into Deontay Thompson. Now, Deontay Thompson's been in the league a couple years, and this is a guy that could also be ready to click as well. So keep your eyes out on him. but. On the reverse side with Jacksonville, they were able to let Hearns go. They were able to let Allen Robinson go. They were able to let these guys go because they were without a most of the year anyway last year. And a Marquise Lee stepped up. DeeDee Westbrook stepped up. Keenan Cole stepped up. These are guys that took advantage of the opportunity that they had. And let's face it, the NFL's about what have you done for me lately. The NFL's about what are you going to do for me tomorrow as well. So they have to look to the future in Jacksonville, and that's what they did. They also brought in a Dante Moncrief. So I think they're going to be okay. Jacksonville has an excellent running attack. They beefed up the offensive line there with Norwell. So. There's a tremendous opportunity for Jacksonville to continue to make moves on offense. I look for Jacksonville to draft a tight end in the first round. Actually, I look for them to draft the Hayden Hurst. That would be my vote for who they need to take. But, you know, I, look, I know Sefer Jenkins has some opportunities. He's got some big hands. He'll be a red zone threat there. So I think both teams, Jacksonville and Dallas, are better for the moves that they made at
1: receiver. Yeah, you know, and, and and I can agree with you that, you know, Hearns obviously can help out the Dallas Cowboys because of the fact that, you know, he is that underappreciated wide receiver. He did so much in Jacksonville and, and still, you know, just around Jacksonville, there just wasn't really ever a conversation about how good Alan Hearns was. But like you said, they did well without him last year when he was hurt. They did well without Alan Robinson for the entire season. And that's what I said coming into to the off season. I said, listen, this is a contract year for Alan Robinson and he was hurt. This is a place where he could hold Jacksonville hostage and say, you either give me the money I want or else. Where Jacksonville could turn around to him and say, you know what, Alan? we appreciate what you did here, but no offense, the farthest we've ever made it in in our history is the AFC Championship, and we made it back there again, and we did it without you, and we multiplied our wins from last season to this season by four, so we essentially have literally shown, whenever somebody says, do you think you can survive without me? We've shown that we can survive without you. So with that being said, we don't need you to be here. We may want you to be here, but we don't need you to be here. So Jacksonville was in a great position of saying to their number one wide receiver that they don't have to spend up all their salary cap money or a a very good portion of it on him and him alone. And with that being said, they were able to kind of let him go. He's going to Chicago You know, for everybody that makes fun of still Blake Bortles, which is beyond me, and I don't know if people have, I don't know if those people necessarily have full use of their brains or the 10% that we're supposed to have use of at this point because of the fact that if you could say that Blake Bortles with a tear in his right wrist, which was on his throwing hand, getting four points away from going to the Super Bowl is still not a good quarterback, I'm not saying he's elite, but if you think that he's not a good quarterback in the NFL and you'd rather have somebody else. I think you need to start paying a little bit more attention to what actually happens on the field, not what happens in your brain or between two ears. So, you know, with that being said, I I look at it and say to myself, look at what Blake did without Alan Hearns. Look at what he did without Alan Robinson. Good quarterbacks find ways to take players that you don't know and make them relevant. They find and the, and the players do that as well. But Blake Bortles was throwing to his fifth, sixth seventh string wide receivers last year, Jadon Mickens, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook was a rookie and he was injured for the first part of the year. I mean, he's, he's slinging this ball all over the field to guys that aren't named Hearns and Robinson. So for me, Jacksonville does not have to draft a wide receiver. I think it's funny when people are saying in their mock drafts that they have to go wide receiver and they have to go early. They don't. Marquise Lee without an ego like I said earlier this week if you get Marquise Lee the Marquise Lee that I know and that I spoke with at the AFC championship game after the game that that didn't have his ego in that moment that's the guy that I think can help lead a franchise to, to the promised land and do some great things with them the other side of Marquise Lee is the one you don't want to see the guy that's that's flashy and that thinks that somehow, someway, he's the man just because the other two guys are injured, and that doesn't make you the man. So I think that Marquise, you know, how I met him and, and spoke with him after they lost to the New England Patriots, everything inside of that conversation made me feel like he was coming back to Jacksonville, and then Jacksonville did exactly that. I'm not surprised at them letting go of Allen Robinson, but get, to get back to my point about quarterback, if you think that Mitch Trubisky is going to be a better option for Allen Robinson than Blake Bortles, you might be in Arkham Asylum with the rest of the uh, the cool cats out there in the DC comic era, because I don't see how Alan Robinson benefits. He gets paid, that's nice, but I don't know how he benefits from moving from Blake Bortles to Mitchell Trubisky. Not that Mitch can't get it done, but. Blake is in a much better position, and the Jaguars are in a much better position of getting to and advancing farther than they did this past season, and Chicago's just hoping to Jesus that they can figure out a way to get through the NFC North where Minnesota has gotten better. Where Green Bay is is Green Bay. And on top of all of that, we have a Detroit team that if they play it at fifty percent, sixty percent, they're still a dangerous team that can get things done with one of the best quarterbacks in the country and one of the few elite quarterbacks. So, you know, I think I think Jacksonville is gonna be fine. I don't think they need to draft. They have six wide receivers from what I'm looking at right now. Dante Moncrief, underutilized, could be a big time threat. They end up with Dante Moncrief, who's underutilized and underappreciated. They let go of Alan Hearns, who's underutilized and underappreciated. So we'll see what what that makes of it. I think it'll work out for Dallas and Jacksonville. You got Mark Easley. You got Keelan Cole. You got Jadon Mickens. You have all these guys and D.D. Westbrook, and you keep going from there. I think they go tight end. I agree with Mike, and I will say this, though, Mike. I'm not a big fan of bringing in Austin Safarian Jenkins to the – to the Jacksonville Jaguars into the locker room with all of his off-the-field issues. I don't know if that's the right thing for a team that almost made it to the Super Bowl.
5: Well, he's an excellent red zone target. And, uh, you know, this is a business first. And, you know, there are some things that will keep you out of the business and off the field. But he hasn't done any of them. And he's followed through the, you know, the league's penalty phases when he's had the DUI situation. He, He departed Tampa Bay, went to the Jets, resurfaced, he had a touchdown called back in a game that looked like a touchdown to me with the with the catch rule situations that we've had this year. He still has some mileage on him. I think they're going to try to take advantage of his red zone abilities while they acclimate another tight end. And then I think you're right. I think they, you know, he's not definitely the tight end of the future, but he's the tight end for now. He's the guy. He's the stopgap. You know, they also have a Sterling Neal and a Niles Paul, but I don't think either one of those guys are are long for the league, and Niles is more of a blocking guy. He can catch the ball, but, you know, they need another guy that's a threat. They want a guy that turns out to be a guy that can block but go down the field and catch the ball like a Dallas Clark used to be able to, or a big-bodied guy like a Jimmy Graham who can still go outside or still play in the slot because that would make Jacksonville even that much more potent on the offense. And let's face it, they already have the top defense there.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and and I think you're right in the sense of, you know, knowing the scheming and, and kind of the mindset of Doug Marone from everything that I've learned and seen over the years with uh, covering him at Syracuse and now him being in Jacksonville, he's an old school ground and pound, play good defense and, and take that clock down. You know, they want that big burly runner. They got it in Leonard Fournette. And then you got to have guys that can block for him down the field and open up the game so that they can get those big-time runs. They can obviously score and, of course, run the clock down. So Niles Paul makes sense, as you said, more of a blocking tight end. He makes sense to be out there on the field when they need those yards and they need to make it happen because they are going to be a ground-and-pound and and punch-you-in-the-mouth defensive team as well and then that's what they are it's it's run the ball down your throat and it's hit you hard on defense that's the Doug Marone way and it's a way that worked very well in his first season as the quarterback of the ja- or quarterback the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback of the sideline I could say so with with that being said the Niles Paul decision makes sense like you said you know Austin Safari Jenkins can be the stopgap for now because they're going to bring in a guy that they want to learn and get comfortable and whatnot, but I do think that the type of team that they have, and how they want to run the ball, and what they want to do on offense, and how they really just want to be, like I said, that ground and pound make you pay, run the clock down, this team is going to benefit from having multiple tight ends on the roster, and I look forward to what they're going to do, and I do agree with you that I think that drafting a tight end is is in the future, the the very close future of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and could happen in the first round. Is there another position that you feel like they need to get after? I mean, there's there's a few positions that I've named that the Jaguars could work on. Is there one that sticks out more than tight end?
5: Yeah, obviously they're going to need another linebacker too. the loss of Paul Leslie. He was not only a leader in tackles, he was a leader on the team. There are guys that are kind of torn up that he's Leaving or gone, and there's a situation where you know he's made a tremendous impact on those around him. You know, he wasn't there very long, but while he was there, you know, make no there's no misconception, he was the guy, he was the leader on the defense. You know, they they could use another offensive tackle as well. You know, with the signing of Norwell, that makes it you know, that made everything great, but. You know, the Jags are going to need to find somebody else out there as a quarterback as well. And what I mean by that is they're going to need somebody to push Bortles. They're going to need a backup. They're going to need somebody they can rely on. Because as you pointed out, Bortles did great without the top receivers, and Bortles has been chugging along just fine. But what happens if there's no Bortles? You go to Cody Kessler. Now, Cody Kessler is capable of... In some games, unfortunately, he hasn't been very capable of, of hanging in there, beating out other the quarterbacks, or winning many games. So, so that's a problem. So maybe they can find value elsewhere. But in, in my mind, I think they're going to take the best athlete available, the best difference maker at any one position. And you know, they're they're drafting near the end of the first round, so you know, there's a lot of ifs, there's a lot of questions. You don't know who's going to be available when they get on the board. But I think their needs. You know, are, are paramount in offensive tackle, linebacker. Maybe they could even use another receiver, uh, and and I think they could use a quarterback late in the draft that they find a project guy that they feel good about.
3: And you know,
1: you touched on the points, you know, I I brought that up with the linebacker position, they're going to have to look for there. I said at the end of this season that Paul Posluszny's not going to be there forever, and it just so happened that, you know, this is the season that he said, you know, it's it's time for him and and I understand that and I can't fault him in any way shape or form. He's he's given so much to the NFL. He's been healthy, he's been strong. He he's he's been awesome and the Jacksonville Jaguars having him where you know, little did they know it was getting them ready for Doug Marone before Doug Marone got in the building. So you know, for me, I think it's great. You know, I think Telvin Smith can definitely head that thing up and, and do some good things there. At the same time, you know, Telvin Smith does have to learn from Paul Poslesny in the sense of you know what leadership means and what leadership looks like because Telvin getting stupid penalties, that's not a Paul Poslesny thing. And that's, you know, that's something that he can he can learn from him is the maturity of the position and the importance of the position on the field. But outside of that, I mean, Telvin Smith's going to bring it. Miles Jack's going to bring it. And Miles Jack, really, really young. Telvin Smith just signed a contract. He got paid by Jacksonville. They don't have to worry about taking care of him anytime soon. And, you know, Blair Brown, who stepped it up, you know, that's a guy that that you look at there, but you definitely have to build some depth if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you can, you can seek for that. I think you can also seek for a safety and they're in a good position. Like Mike said, I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars are not drafted in the first seven picks for the first time in a very, very, very long time. And they have the opportunity to take the best player available. And you know who gets to take the best player available? Good teams. Good teams get to say, hmm, let's look at the board. Who's the best available? Not, holy Jesus, we need a quarterback or else. And it's a great position for the Jacksonville Jaguars to be in. They're not in the same realm as others. And I agree with you. You said Cody Kessler can start a game, and that's very true. He doesn't finish him, and that's an issue. So you always have to have a backup quarterback. You always have to have a backup plan. It amazes me the teams that don't, but those are the teams that don't win. So. You know, we need to have something moving on from here. If you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, you'd like to see them draft a quarterback and they don't have to draft them high. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Before we wrap things up here, Mike, uh, final thoughts, uh, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to do a lot of draft stuff coming up that I want to involve you with here on the show. So final notes, be it, be it the draft, be it something else. Another thought or two that's that's been sinking into your brain here and kind of making a little home inside your mind in the last couple weeks
5: yeah i think there's a lot of small moves that have been going on and you know you're going to see and hear more of this you know in the the shows and when we get together in the future but there's a lot of outstanding moves that right now are under the radar camera meredith going to new orleans you know uh, uh uh certain guys that are going to be coming back and are going to be healthy. The impact of a Sammy Watkins on a Kansas City, You know the impact of, of the Allen Robinson to Chicago and what that does when, when they added Trey Burton as well, a Michael Crabtree in Baltimore. So there's a lot of storylines that are going to be playing out here. A Kierak McKinnon in San Fran, there's an under-the-radar name. There's a guy that you can sneak and pick, pick later in your draft than most guys are going to take him. That's a guy you're going to want. Derek McKinnon. So there's a lot of opportunity. Tennessee taking on Deion Lewis now. Does that take away from Derrick Henry? So again, there's a lot of storylines I'm sure we'll be exploring in the next couple weeks here.
1: Absolutely. And and just so for you know so people know this thing, that guy Trey Burton that Mike just mentioned, he's the guy that threw that touchdown pass to Nick Foles, and he's not on the same team anymore. So just make sure that you make note of that, folks, that Trey Burton is he has new life elsewhere. And it's, it's going to be interesting, after he was such a massive part of the Philadelphia Eagles winning the Super Bowl on one of the greatest plays, Chicago is making moves, and now it's on Mitchell Trubisky's shoulders on what those moves are going to mean, because a receiver can't do much if the ball isn't coming to him the right way at the right time in the right place. So I'm hoping the best for Mitch, and no disrespect to Mitch by saying he's not as good as Blake Bortles. It's it's an analysis but it's not to say that Mitch Trubisky can't be something to these to the Chicago Bears that have waited such a long time for anything that would resemble a good quarterback. With that being said, Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. Coming up in the next couple weeks, less than two weeks here until the NFL Draft, Mike and I will have plenty to say, plenty to break down, and plenty to do. And with that being said, Mike, I look forward to it. Couldn't be a better person to do this with, so thank you. We appreciate it, and I look forward to mock-drafting it up with you very soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Dan. All right, take care. That coming from Mike Sofka once again. We'll take our final step aside of the show for a fast break. Get you ready for the weekend.
0: This is a wake up call, Fast Break.
2: 315- That's 315-702-4653 Or contact us through our website LGWeddingsAndEvents.com Looking Glass Events Giving you a reason to celebrate
1: The Penn and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding. Ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, One Eleven East Willow Street, in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on thirty-six eighty Milton Avenue. 315- 487 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. That does it for our show today, folks. I want to thank Mike Sofka for coming back onto the show. It's been a couple weeks. You're used to having them every single Friday, and we're going to get used to having them a whole lot more as we build up the path to the NFL draft coming up here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Very excited about building the road to the draft with Mike Sofka of Hall halloffamefantasyfootball.com. And always fantasy football undertones going on when we're discussing the NFL and the moves being made. So thank you to Mike Sofka. We look forward to having you on a bunch in the next couple weeks. I also want to give a special thanks to Howard Trish for being a part of the show and the significant Sound Bites special segment that we do here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And I want to thank Carvel DeWitt for the annoying moment of the week. Three scoops. Be nice to people. How about that? Be a good person. Be nice. And don't tell me being a good person is relative. It's not relative. Well, to some people, being a good person is kicking you in the shit. No. Being a good person is not relative. It's it's reality. Just be nice to other people. Do good things. Be kind. Be loving. Be sweet. Be a good person. With that being said, we'd love to have you connect with us, all you good people out there, on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT on Twitter at CallDT, and on Instagram at wakeupcall_dt. underscore DT. We look forward to hanging out with you and having you there on social media. And we can't wait to see you this Sunday, April 15th at 2 p.m. as Jonathan Thomas, Zaire Franklin, Irv Phillips join the community for one final time before the NFL Draft. Come out and see us. Wake Up Call is doing an exclusive show with Jonathan Thomas, Irv Phillips, and Zaire Franklin of Syracuse Football and you have an opportunity to get autographs, to take pictures, and to hear our show live on location at the Wildcat Sports Pub. Admission is free, and it happens Sunday, April 15th at 2 p.m. at the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. Have a great week. God bless you. And find everything on wakeupcalldt.com. Download the app. Do everything right there on the website. We'll talk with you very soon. God bless. Be well. And thank you to Podbean, the Podbean app, wakeupcalldt.podbean.com, the iTunes podcast, search Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, obviously, webs.com with wakeupcalldt.com. Thank you to everybody for getting the show out there, and thank you to all of you for downloading it. Appreciate it. God bless you, and I'll talk with you soon.